E-S-N-Y. Jeff Campbell. We are continuing our conversation of NBA draft prospects. The the draft is uh, hot on everyone's heels at this point. And tonight we are going to be discussing a very talented prospect from the University of Michigan, a six foot nine guard slash forward, 220 pounds, a really unique skill set, someone who can defend very well, um, can play make, is really a nightmare in transition. Of course, I'm talking about Franz Wagner. To help me break down Franz's game and, and everything else, I'm very pleased to have on the show uh, SB Nation's Maze and Brew uh, website contributor, Anthony Broom. Anthony, what's going on? Thank you for coming on the podcast. Of course. Um, it's good to, good to be on. Usually this time of year, I'm wrapped up in preseason football coverage. So to shake it up and, and switch over to basketball is it's fun because I could talk Michigan basketball. I could talk these these players um, as much as my heart desires. So thank you for helping me scratch that itch today. No, listen, um, the, the pleasure is all mine. Uh, as someone who is always looking to kind of develop more balanced takes on these prospects, I'm always interested in talking with people who really cover these guys, you know, for a living and and really kind of, um, live and die with the coverage and, and, you know, do all these deep dives into them. So very much looking forward to learning about Franz for sure. I, I think the first place where I want to start is just his growth from his freshman to sophomore year. Statistically, didn't seem like there was um, too big of, of many differences, but, but I'm sure there, there were on the court. Just from your perspective, someone who was watching him, you know, day in and day out. What what did you see from Franz from a growth perspective? Yeah, I think the thing with Franz and kind of the running theme of of his career is that at times the offense can come and go. And I think he was a little more consistent in that uh, in his second year at Michigan. But um, you know, the, the one thing you can always count on with Franz Wagner and something that you know, I, I think just because of his natural length and athleticism, he was good at anyways. Uh, was was on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, but I thought this year in particular, he was one of the um, you know, one of the best defensive players in the Big Ten. You know, you can make an argument for all of college basketball, given um, you know where Michigan stood among the college basketball elite this year. And it was pretty surprising to me that he never he didn't get any you know all Big Ten defensive um, praise or anything like that. But it's a guy who could can guard three or four positions. He gets after it on that end of the floor. Um, like I said, because he's so long, because he's as athletic as he is, um, maybe not a guy that jumps out of the gym, but um, reacts quickly, very court aware of what's going on at all times. I think that's, that translates to me to any level of the game. So that's probably what stands out the most. Um, you know, he offensively, like I said, he can be inconsistent and he was a little more consistent this year. And And the sad part about that was he probably played the worst offensive game of his career, um, you know, when Michigan lost in the elite eight to UCLA, but pretty much everyone else played pretty terribly in that game too. So 
Um, I know he wore that, uh, that weighed pretty heavily on him, but um, you know, aside from, you know, he does a lot of things that, uh, that don't show up in the box score too. I mean, his passing ability is, I mean, he can, he can weave a pass in there in the tightest possible window. And that's, you know, guys like Hunter Dickinson were the recipients of that guys like Isaiah livers and, um, you know, Charles Matthews and, and Eli Brooks guys all around Franz Wagner kind of, you know, they get the praise for scoring, but some of the plays he's able to make, um, you know, with his court vision, his ability to pass the basketball. I mean, you throw that in with, um, how aware he is on the defensive end of the floor. And the fact that, I mean, let's, let's call it what it is too. I mean, he's, he was going around, depending on where you go, he's six, nine, uh, he'll tell everyone he's six foot 10. Um, he was pretty adamant, uh, in telling his assistant coaches that this year, but, um, you know, he's someone who has the body of, a you know, of a, of a forward that plays a shooting guard type of game. And, and given that the NBA is going to, you know, has, we've seen this explosion of a more, positionless style of, of game. Um, I think that that, you know, when, when things open up for the floor opens up a little bit more, the spacing opens up a little bit more uh, at the next level. I think that that's, these are all things to me that make him the first round prospect that a lot of people think he is. And you mentioned um, his defense, which is something that like within probably 30 seconds of watching any highlights or, or games stands out immediately. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of people and, and scouts that look at his game and they say that, you know, he, he moves his feet laterally really well. What I like is that he doesn't bite on shot fakes. You know, he's very patient when he defends, even people that are smaller and, and more agile and quicker than he is. Um, do you think that he can do that at the next level? I guess what I'm worried about is that when the, the talent level and the athleticism takes another step, do you think that he's there enough um, that he'll be able to to kind of uh, defend at that next level, or or maybe even if if um, if athletically he he's not there, maybe his IQ kind of keeps him in that in that realm as well. Yeah, I think it does translate, and I think that he will um, that will be able to apply to the NBA, given that you know how, like I said, his awareness is extremely high. Um, his He's extremely instinctual um, and people, um, you know, Michigan people know this cause we know what his story is, but he came from a, you know, the German pro league uh, to come play college basketball at Michigan. So he's played. And obviously we know that, um, you know, some of those European leagues aren't quite what the NBA is, but um, this is someone who's played pro basketball already and who um, has played with men and done pretty well. And, and you go to Michigan um you know, it's, it's, there was an adjustment period there for sure. But like I said, um, I'm trying to think of the writer who, who called him this. I, I, I think it was someone from the ringer said that um, he's got like a computer brain on the defensive end of the floor. And I think that, and because this, this is a guy too. I mean, you look at his frame, he still can grow into that as well. I mean, he's still pretty, he put on, you know, some good weight over the last off season, but um, you know, at that six foot 10 frame, he still has room to grow even more. And I think as he continues to mature, um, you know, maybe he's not, um, you know, cause once you get to the NBA, everyone's as big, strong and as, and as athletic as you are. Right. Um, I think that what can separate him is the fact that he is, um, you know, he does have good instincts 
he is extremely aware on that side of the floor. And, and a lot of, I mean, it's not just uh, as an on-ball defender either. I mean, he does an extremely, extremely well, or extremely good job of, um, you know, impacting the defensive end of the floor as an off-ball guy too. So I just think the awareness, I think the, um, the way that he's able to read and react and diagnose quickly, I think that that's, um, as he continues to play more basketball, because he's still a pretty young guy, I think that he's just going to get, you know, a little even more savvy on that end of the floor. So um, of all the things about his game, that's probably the thing I'm least concerned about at the next level. Yeah. And and that's probably, uh, you had mentioned his age too. I think even at this year, he's, he's the age that a lot of freshmen would be um, at this point too. Like he, I, I, I guess if we'll go to the shot, um, cause I know that's been a big criticism for him. You know, I, I looked at it. There were some people who said that they're concerned about the percentages. I didn't think the percentages were typically, you know, that bad. I think if you look at the two year average, it's around 34%. Um, you know, I think with the mechanics, the only thing that would concern me is that the gather and release starts a little low. Um, the mechanics yeah. seem a little bit slow. Um, he is six, nine, right? So I, I, I mean, I wouldn't be too terribly worried about shooting over people, but how do you see that playing out? Uh, do you see they, because it's funny as a Knicks fan, right? Like I, I've watched this with RJ Barrett, uh, a kid that came into the league and uh, had was shooting a certain way. And we had a coaching staff that told him, you know, scrap all that. We're, we're changing everything. Didn't work so well. And then, you know, when that coaching staff left and we had a new coaching staff, it was like, okay, go back to, to what you know and let's work off that. Um, do you see his mechanics as needing a big overhaul or do you think that, you know, maybe it's just kind of a timing thing he needs to develop, maybe a little bit of a quicker release? How do you see that playing out? Yeah, I mean, the release is slow. The mechanics aren't great um, or I shouldn't say aren't great. They, they could be improved for sure. I, I think, like I said, it's a little slow and I don't think quite as snappy as, as a lot of uh, NBA teams might like. I mean, it's, this is a league now where you catch the ball, you better be ready to get rid of it. If you're going to shoot um, as a passer, like I said, I don't worry about a quick decision. He's um, he's able to do that, you know, pretty, pretty quickly, pretty promptly, but the shot, yeah, it's a little slow and it is inconsistent. Um, you know, there were times, uh, I'll say this the last month of his freshman season at Michigan, he was probably their best player. And that included when, you know, a guy like Isaiah livers was healthy. Um, you know, John Teske, Xavier Simpson, some of those other kind of program guys who had been there for a while. Uh, he was their best player the last month of that season before COVID wiped it out. And, and he came into this season, um, you know, with a, he claimed he was six ten. Um, you could tell there was a physical change, um, you know, you typically, uh, you see that the biggest jump there from your freshman to, to sophomore years, uh, he was a little more physically refined, a little more physically developed, but just seemed like he struggled. Um, and this is the positive of him being on Michigan is that they had a lot of guys that on any given night could step up and be the guy. They probably had five or six players who could, um, you know, be their, your leading scorer on any, on any given night. But, uh, later in the year when injuries started to pile up and, um, you know, there were times where they just needed more from him. And I think that, uh, you know, the pros, like, I think he, I think when you look at him at the next level, he's probably more of like a secondary playmaker type. Um, 
I don't know if you know, I, I don't know if he winds up being a, a long a starter or what his role would be long term. But uh, you know, he's not a guy that's going to really create his own offense. He's gonna he's gonna take advantage of the opportunities that are given to him. And because he was you know basically you know Stretch Armstrong or Gumby playing in the Big Ten, you know you're you're six ten a six ten guy um, with a, a shooting guard skill set. Um, a lot of times he was just able to cut through the paint and do that. And, and I don't think he's going to quite be able to do that at the next level. So, um, you know, that is, yeah, it, it, sometimes it just seems, sometimes it just seems like he doesn't process that end of the court uh, quickly enough. And, and that plus, you know, again, the, the shot mechanics being what they are, someone's going to have kind of a bit of work on their hands with, with getting that turnaround. So um yeah, that's to me. That would be the biggest concern is the consistency with the jump shot because there are games, um, and he can shoot. There are games where he couldn't miss, but there are other games where he also couldn't hit a, the broad side of a barn. So, averages being what they are, and, and water finding its level, um, the percentages are what they are. What do you think is his best best fit at the next level? I because even if the shot doesn't come around early, um, I I've seen enough where I feel like you know there's there's an impact that he's going to have in a rotation somewhere, uh, especially defensively when you're that big and, and you can potentially guard um, below your height and, and stick with people uh, and play make like the pocket passes that he hits on the pick and roll or even the wraparound when he drives into like, it's very impressive. Um, but if, if there's a team in your mind or, or maybe even some of the teams that have already been rumored to have had workouts with him or interviews with him, who do you see as a, the best fit for Franz? Yeah, I think uh, in some of the mock drafts I've checked out, I mean, I've seen him go as high as like number seven, Golden State, uh, and they've got seven and 14. I think, you know, really for any young player, that's probably a good fit. You still have, you know, Steph and, and um, you know, Draymond and, and some of those other guys that are there. And you talk about him being a secondary playmaker and to be as good a passer he is. I mean, that's the, that, that type of situation seems like it'd be tailor-made for him. Um, you're also looking at maybe New Orleans, Charlotte. Um, you know, he strikes. He also kind of strikes me as the player that could go to the Spurs and wind up being, you know, a 10 to 15 year stalwart because that's just what they do. Um, you know, so that that's kind of like he needs to go somewhere where, you know, the expectation isn't that five, four or five years from now he's maybe even one of their top three scoring options. I think he's a nice complimentary guy on an NBA team. Um, I think depending on the situation, he could start. I think uh, what he brings defensively is good enough for that. I think as a playmaker, um, you know, if you have a lot of, if you have a lot of shooters on your team, I think that could be something that, you know, opens it up for him as well. So um, teams like Golden State, I mean, Golden State's kind of the, uh, the, the white whale for a player like him, I think. Um, but you look at some of those playoff teams. I mean, like the Knicks could be a fit. Um, I could see the Hawks. I don't know. There's uh, I think once you get outside of those teams, like in the top six, we're like, they're in a full on rebuild and it's, it's going to take a while. Um, you know, I think he can be someone that, that kind of grows and flourishes into his role being on a team that has a, a couple other pieces already in place. So that's what I would look at for a best fit for him. I like that Charlotte um, fit too, just because I feel like playing with a metal ball. I mean, any, anybody can 
you know, someone with a high IQ, um, I, I think it played definitely very well with him. I see Franz being that for sure. Um, outside of the shot, what do you think he needs to improve the most? I think consistency. Um, and that, that ties into the shot that ties into the offense, but, um, you know, aside from the shot and some of the offensive concerns, I just don't, there were times where he just wasn't all that aggressive offensively too, which again, you talk about the athleticism, the measurables, the length, um, in the big 10, you know, I, I thought that he really did have a chance to be a bit of a buzzsaw. Um, you know, his brother played a, def- a different position. He was playing center when he was at Michigan, Mo Wagner, but um, that was a guy who was kind of a tone setter. And Franz did that on the defensive end of the floor. Um, I, I think that Franz probably has a chance to be a, a better pro or at least, you know, more consistent uh, pro. But I think the offensively, I think the um, just the get, getting after it part of it, he, he can he can be a little bit tentative at times. He lets the game come to him, which, you know, there are pros and cons to that, right? Like when you're able to, um, that's why there was a maturity about him too. It never felt like he was really pressing. Yeah. Um, he kind of did just let the game come to him and, and take what often defenses uh, were giving him. And if that meant teams had a couple guys are paying extra attention to him, that's where Hunter Dickinson was feasting or someone on the perimeter was, was getting the ball thrown to them. Um, that he's an extremely unselfish player. And I think that that is one of the biggest positives about his game. And I also think it's one of the things that may have held him back a bit in college. So um, that's probably what I would say is, is the thing that holds him back the most is the, um, the aggression in attempting to, to go after your own offense. And to your point, you know, if he's, if he's placed within that role where he's not expected to be one of the top two or three scoring options, that type of temperament, is actually going to suit him very well, right? You know, if yeah. he's not expected to be a 20-point-a-game scorer, um, being able to let the game come to you and make the right play is actually going to be what helps the team out the most, um, which I'm hoping, you know, for his sake, uh, you know, landing in that type of uh, environment would be great. Um, to what extent do you know about how he was as a teammate? I, I think I, I remember some type of report I forget what it was, correct me if I'm wrong, but either he, as opposed to Mo, lived on campus or didn't live on campus or he lived with his brother while he was playing or didn't. I forget what it was, but there was something that I read or heard that that was kind of interesting to me. But to what extent do you know about how he was as a teammate? I mean, I'm not 100% sure what his living situation was, but I know that I mean, he was, he was beloved in that locker room, a guy that I ne- you know, you never heard a bad word about um, sort of quiet and reserved with, you know, the media and those situations. But um, you know, he would talk a little bit of trash on the court and he was a guy that got, those guys rallied around. And um, you know, it, he was a, there was a good culture in place already before he got to Michigan, but it just seemed like he really, he was really a good fit with what Juwan Howard's been trying to build there. Um, Again, the, the fit was seamless in terms of personality with teammates. Um, like I said, I, I think he was looked to as, you know, he wasn't an upperclassman, but I think he was still a guy that was looked at as a leader. I think most of us kind of assumed that it would be the NBA for him after this year. He did enter the process last year. But, um, yeah, those guys, I mean, any the thing about, and I've been 
you know, doing the Michigan stuff for almost a decade now. Um, the one thing you can count on about a lot of these Michigan guys, really most of them since John Beeline was there, is that the guys that come out and, and go pro, um, Sterling teammates, you've never heard of, rarely ever hear a bad word about them. So in terms of the intangible parts, the good teammate, um, you know, team guy, you know, not, you know, not the me first type of guy. That's kind of what he was and what a lot of these Michigan guys have been coming out of the draft. Okay. I, I, uh, I, I think for any coaching staff, any team or organization, that's going to be wanted for sure. Um, any player comparisons that you have for Franz at all? Any players that um, remind you of, of his game? I know that, the, again, the skill set is a little bit unique. Sometimes when you see a player at that height and they're on the wing, shooting is almost um, a given with them. That's not necessarily the case with him. It's almost like he's, he's like, um, you know, he really is an intangibles role player, but with the body of someone who could, you know, potentially be star-like, you know, in some sense. Yeah, uh, that's tough because, yeah, he is a bit of a, um, a unicorn in the sense of, again, big guy, tall guy. Um, we think the strength is coming along, but he still, you know, he plays like a guard, which is kind of where, um, I mean, there's about to be a guy that's six foot eight that goes, that runs the point that goes number one overall. So um, everyone's, everyone's a unicorn now, it seems like, but um, I've seen people say, um, and this is probably contingent on the offense coming around um, that he might be able to be like a, a Gallinari type of guy. Yeah, um, a guy who I, I've kind of seen as well. Yeah, that's that's the one I've seen given, um, you know, the the positional versatility. But it's it's kind of it's weird because like in your head you like I mean, there's still. I feel like there's just still so much more to unlock with his game. Um, you know, despite being, he was probably Michigan's second or I want to say maybe second uh, leading scorer this year without having that up in front of me. Um, I, I really would be curious to see um, if he just played a little more, like if, I mean, these are all big ifs. I mean, you fix any of these things and you have a perfect basketball player probably, okay. but um, you know, tightening up the shot mechanics and being a little more aggressive on the offensive end of the floor. I could see that being a guy who scores, you know, 15, 16 points a night, especially, I mean, um, you know, once you, because that spacing is so much more once you get, once you get to the next level. Um, but for him, it's, it's consistency. It's, I think it's, it's confidence too. I think that uh, he never lacks like, that's the one thing to anyone that comes off of the, you know, the Wagner tree, they're never going to lack confidence, but I do think at times when his shot isn't falling um, that he does kind of lose that confidence a little bit. And that's where you start to see him pull back a little bit offensively. I would love to see him, someone empower him to just, and Juwan Howard did this, but I, I would really like to see him moving forward. Be, I love, I would love to see what kind of player he becomes if he was, you know, uh, challenged a little bit more offensively. Uh, but other than that, I mean, this is a guy who um, I think has a pretty high floor as someone who at the very least can be, um, you know, a playmaker that comes off the bench as your seventh, eighth guy, maybe. But I think that he does have a chance to be in this league for a decade and, and be a good secondary playmaker. And um, I do think once he gets into a pro 
program every day that some of those offensive things like the mechanics, like the shot will, will work themselves out a little bit. So two more questions before, uh, before we wrap up Um, in terms of Michigan basketball going forward, uh, what does the outlook look like from your perspective? I think everyone is really high on Juwan Howard as a coach, as someone who can really build a culture uh, and a program. Uh, what does recruiting look like? Who's going to be coming back for the Amazing Blue? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, things are looking really good uh, to put it to put it lightly. Um, they're coming off a season they did they just did where they went to the Elite Eight. Obviously, you lose Franz Wagner. You're losing. Um, lose Isaiah Livers, lose a couple big pieces from that team. But Jawan Howard turns around and is bringing in the number one recruiting class in the country. I mean, he's got um, Caleb Houston, who is a five-star, who already is projected to be a lottery pick next year. Um, Musa Diabate, a, a big man who, again, if things click for him, he's a little more raw. Um, you know, he could be a guy that winds up in the lottery in, in one of the, you know, one of the next uh, two drafts after this one. Um bring back a pretty solid core of guys from last year's team. Um, it, it's in the, in the near future, it, it looks like a, a program that has a chance to compete for a national title uh, this year. And for as long as Juwan Howard's there, like it seems like they're going to recruit fairly well. So um, if the, the one thing about I mean, like the John, John Beeline would send guys in the back half of the first round. There'd be guys come off the board as second round picks. I mean, arguably his best pro that he sent to the league so far is Duncan Robinson. He wasn't drafted at all. So um, I, I think that I think you're going to start seeing some more lottery pick type guys come through there. Okay. And, and what, whether that means that Michigan, um, you know, makes deep runs through, through the tournament. I don't know that, but um, I know that given Juwan's NBA pedigree, um, what he's just shown through two years of developing guys, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking, you know, we're sitting here, you and I are sitting here doing a show like this a year from now, um, talking about maybe two or three guys that Michigan's sending next year. I think it's, I think they're, I think they're kind of ready to explode in terms of being a little more of like a pro prospect factory. So that's fun to watch. Um, and, and fun for fun for Michigan fans that may be disenfranchised by their, the state of the football program, that things are kind of shifting to. Um, you know, you, you look at what Michigan basketball has done over the last 10 years or so they're, they've, they've wanted a clip that like some of the blue bloods haven't really wanted. Yeah. So they, they put themselves in that conversation. And that's, that's super exciting as someone who, I mean, I love, I love college football and, and I love the sport of football, but, uh, you know, bas- college basketball, NBA basketball, that's kind of my bread and butter, uh, growing up. So, um, to, to see, to see that type of change take place is a lot of fun. And uh, so we hope to see more Michigan guys represented in the draft, um, you know, a little more highly than they have been. Always a really fun team to watch in the tournament. Like no matter what, I feel like Michigan's calling card has been wherever you think they're going to end in the tournament. They usually end up going a, a round or two past that. So I think that's definitely a credit to the coaching staff and, and everyone there. Um, last one for, for me, uh, any other players in the draft that you're really excited to see where they land, um, you know, how their career pans out, any, any guys that maybe you saw play against Michigan this year that you were like, wow, that guy's going to be special when he gets to the league. Whew. Um, I feel like I'll, I'll start with, 
someone that Michigan's played. Um, I feel like Io Dosun move from Illinois is not being talked about enough. I'm so I'm so interested you said that because he's a player that I really don't know a lot about, and and he had a lot of. I, I mean, you're right. And when it comes to mock drafts, he's he's down there. Yeah, and I don't. Again, I don't. Uh, sometimes there's a disconnect in the in the draft process, in that you know guys that you look at, that, oh my god, this is a great college basketball player. Oh well, maybe he's a, he's a year too old for the NBA, or he doesn't do X Y Z as well. Um, you know, I've watched. You know, I think Io was a sophomore or a junior, or whatever it was, but a guy who scores he scored twenty points and and, and grabbed six boards a game, and, and you know, dish out another six assists a game, shoot almost fifty percent from the floor. And um, I know it kind of gets crapped on for being maybe an overrated conference, but. Um, one of the most top-heavy conferences in college basketball. Um, I just don't get why we're not hearing, like, why. I don't know what the disconnect there is. Um, I think that's a guy who um, is, is a playmaker, a tone setter, um, someone who can hit shots. So that's a guy who I think um, someone at the back half of the lottery might get a a nice little steal on or back, not just, I mean, back half of the first round even. That's where um, most he's mostly been coming off the board. Um I'm really Michigan guys. I'm really interested in seeing where Isaiah livers winds up. I think he's probably a second round guy just because, I mean, he's just been so battered with injuries, but um, he's transformed his body. He's athletic. He can play the three. He can play the four. Um, he's one of those, you know, unicorns, a 50, 40, 90 guy, 50% from the floor, 40% from three, 90% of his free throws. Um, and again, someone who, you don't realize the value of some of those guys until they're not on the floor. I mean, someone who makes everyone around them better. So I think, um, I mean, he's, he's out for six months. He's probably not going to be able to play in any year. You know, he had surgery a couple months ago, probably not looking at him in summer league. He's going to have to kind of grind his way through. Um, but I think that he has a chance to be a nice, you know, again, talk about eighth, ninth, 10, you know, eighth, ninth, ten guy off the bench that can can come in and do a variety of things and um he just look he just looks like a pro to me uh plays like a pro when he's healthy so i'm really interested in seeing what happens with him because um it's just been kind of unfortunate his junior season ends due to covid he goes through the nba draft process decides to come back um at the end of his senior year and he was playing extremely well this year um you know has a stress fracture in his foot winds up getting surgery he's out for six months so um again health is is they say the best ability is availability and his yeah. probably isn't very high to nba scouts right now but i do think if he gets the chance to if he just gets healthy he has a chance to make a roster um and, and that's the type of guy you know um, you go from there and, and see what happens sometimes it doesn't work out and sometimes you're christian wood and you bounce around several teams and finally it clicks somewhere and it clicks so um we'll see what happens but that's um, that would be another Michigan guy I'd be keeping an eye on. Yeah, I think I'll add those two guys to my list for sure. Um, Io and, and Isaiah Livers for sure. Um, listen, Anthony, thank you so much for uh, giving me some of your time today. I very much appreciate it. Um, before I let you go, if you could tell uh, all the good people listening where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find all of your good work at SB Nation. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. Uh, follow the website, uh, maizenandbrew.com. We're on Twitter at maizenandbrew. Uh, 
I don't need to do the long social media diatribe on the site. I mean, if you're on some sort of site, some sort of social media, we're there. Just type in Maize and Brew, you'll find us. So, um, yeah, I'd love to come on and talk hoops. Um, appreciate you giving us the chance. We'll have, uh, as we get a little bit closer to the draft, we'll we'll have a little more coverage coming up. But, uh, yeah, excited and excited to hopefully have future chats about Michigan guys and some of these other classes coming up. Absolutely. Uh, you know, that's part of one of the reasons that I, I started the podcast and hopefully to find somebody for each, you know, college program, MBA program. So when it comes to Michigan, I will definitely be reaching out to you in the future for sure. Awesome. Thank and you. All the people listening out there. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We hope everybody is staying safe and